Hey y'all, you're listening to A Walk Across Texas State. It's Tori and Zachary, and today we're talking to Emily Hawarney. She is a career counselor here at Texas State's Career Services, and she's actually going to join the podcast team as a co-host. And so we get to learn more about her background and uh, her time serving in the Peace Corps. So we hope you enjoy and get a lot out of it. Well, welcome back, Emily. We know you were on the podcast kind of early on in the beginning, uh, and you talked a lot about mental health in the job search and kind of how to how to manage that because it can be a little bit stressful and difficult. And so Emily is actually joining the podcast as our uh, amazing career counselor. And so to start things off, can you kind of tell us what is the best way to summarize the difference between career educators and career counselors? Sure. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm very excited to be here. Um, Yeah. So just a a bit of a difference between career counselors and uh, career educators is career counselors generally have a background in in mental health counseling. Mm -hmm. And we're here to help with any type of career exploration, decision making, any stressors that a student might be facing on the career journey mm-hmm. um, whereas a career educator is more uh, has more specific expertise in a certain area so we have career educators for each college and those career educators might have specific insight into maybe internships that are available in that student's area mm-hmm. or um, maybe tips on how to make their resume the best resume for that industry so really if you are a student who knows exactly what you want to do and you just want to make sure you have all the tools you need to get there mm-hmm. you can go ahead and meet with a career educator but if you're unsure and you have some questions about what are your options and what do you want to do with the rest of your life um, certainly you can talk with a career counselor first and we will, can always refer you to a career educator when you're ready nice okay and how did you know you wanted to get into counseling Yeah, so um, I actually was in the Peace Corps after I graduated from my undergrad program, and I really enjoyed helping others. And so that was definitely something that I decided at that point after the Peace Corps, I thought I want to get my master's in something that will allow me to help others one on one. Mm -hmm. But during that exploration for myself, I was actually doing this career workbook where it was had had me doing all these exercises on what are your values what are your interests what are your Mm -hmm. skills and as I was doing this workbook I thought well this is really cool like I wish that I could do something like this but I just didn't think it actually existed but fast forward into my counseling program I actually had my career counseling class with Dr. Greg Hill who is now my supervisor and um, in that class is where I really you know, came to to understand that this was something that I could help people with. Mm-hmm. And this was exactly that that kind of spark moment I had when I was doing that workbook of I wish I could do this. He was telling me this is an option. You can mm-hmm. do this with you your counseling move. degree. Yeah. So um, cool. so, yeah, that's kind of how it came to be. And I did an internship here while I was in grad school and then got a full time job. So I'm very lucky to have found my way here. Awesome. So I think some of uh, our students might actually be interested in the Peace Corps itself. I know I don't know a whole ton about it. Can you talk about just how the process for you was to get into the Peace Corps and what really drew you to that experience? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I was approaching graduation, I 
was trying to decide what's my next step. And I knew that I loved um, traveling. I had, I had been abroad a few times before, and I knew that I loved helping people. And so I started looking into some options. And one of those options is the Peace Corps, which mm-hmm. is a U.S. government service organization where you, c- you will um, serve for two years. It's actually 27 months because it's three months of training and two years of service. Um, and so when I learned about that and all the benefits that came along with being in the Peace Corps, I really heavily looked into it. So I talked with a Peace Corps recruiter and I worked on my application and it did take about a year for me to, to find out where I was going to be going. I know the application process has changed a bit. I think it's a bit faster now, mm-hmm. um, but I still would recommend with that first step is if you're interested, really connecting with a Peace Corps recruiter, checking out their website, seeing what it's all about. Um, and then certainly, you know, if you're here at Texas State, you can come meet with me or someone else in our office and we can help you with parts of the application process, like making sure you have a strong resume for it. Is is the Peace Corps a paid gig? Do you get paid during it? Yeah, so it is. You get a stipend and you're paid based off of how much somebody gets paid for that position in that country. Sure. So in the Philippines, a teacher unfortunately isn't paid very much and especially compared to U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. So you're not making so much that you can save money. I think there were some folks that were really good at it and somehow managed to do it. <laughs> yeah. But um, but for the most part, it's, it's a stipend. It's a living stipend. It's enough to get by. But they do give you a readjustment allowance at the end so that when you're coming back to the U.S., you get a chunk of money that can get you on your feet, like put a deposit down on an apartment, things like that. So that was definitely um, a benefit I saw in that program. Also, there's some education benefits, like if you want to go back for a graduate degree, there are certain fellowships and scholarships that you can get through that. Um, and also for folks interested in working in the government, they give you what's called non, non-competitive eligibility, which really all that means is that you're being considered as an internal hire mm-hmm. into the U.S. Mm-hmm. government. And that is really huge because it can be really hard to break into that yeah. industry. Yeah. So for a lot of folks that are interested in public policy or, or working in government in some way, they'll actually do the Peace Corps as their kind of foot in the door to, to that. That makes sense. I know, I think, what is it, at Texas State, it's the master's in social work and then I think master's in international studies that offers the benefits for Peace Corps uh, alum, if if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. And um, I know that, um, you know, they're always trying to grow too. Mm -hmm. So different colleges have different um, majors available. There's certain colleges that even have, um, like, pretty much take your pick and they, they'll, they'll mm-hmm. apply it. Um, but it is something that you, you also are applying for when you're applying to grad school. So cool. Yeah. So what was the Philippines like? Yeah. Um, it was amazing. Um, one thing that I would recommend for folks interested in going to the Peace Corps is now they've allowed the option to choose which country you want to go to. Oh. And while that's really cool and you can really try to pick a position that matches with your skill set and everything like that, there is some really cool beauty to leaving it up to them to decide yeah. where where you go because at the time you could prioritize regions okay um but not a specific country and so i thought they might put me in thailand because i had actually been there before i knew a little bit of the language so i was kind of thinking maybe i'll end up there mm-hmm. so i was surprised when they selected the philippines for me and i didn't know much about the philippines but i learned so much uh, being there and i learned so much about the culture that i i otherwise maybe wouldn't have yeah um and so yeah there still is the option on a peace corps application where you can check I'm willing to go anywhere. And so they will actually match you where is best for you. 
And one thing that was interesting is uh, I was a journalism major in my, for my undergrad mm-hmm. and journalism was actually a really big thing in middle school and high school in the Philippines. They would have, oh. yeah, they would have journalism camps and journalism competitions. And so it was really cool how the Peace Corps staff was able to look at my application and be like, oh, that this could be a good fit for her. So yeah. I actually got to help out with those competitions and it was really fun. So cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, let's see. I had a question. Oh, for for the Peace Corps, I believe they have like five different types of programs you can do or different, I don't know, types of work. Do you have any insight into that? Yeah. So they have different sectors that, yeah. that you can go into. Um, I was in the education sector. Okay. There's also a youth and families sector, which is oftentimes folks that are maybe have some experience with social work type of work. Mm-hmm. There's an environmental sector. There's a health sector. There's a community development sector, mm-hmm. which is kind of helping with um, local businesses cool. um, and an agriculture sector. I might be missing one, but I think <laughs> those, are the, those are the ones that it come to mind. Right, yeah. And um, so really just depending on what your major was or what your interests are, that it to me feels like there's a sector for, for anyone and um, that could utilize your skill set. Yeah. Um, so in the Philippines, they had uh, three um, and they may have changed it since I've been there, but they had education, youth and families and environmental. Cool. And a lot of our environmental volunteers, they actually worked on um, ocean projects. Mm. So they would go scuba diving to do, you know, things like they're protecting the coral reefs and oh, really cool, cool stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm personally scared of scuba diving, but <laughs> <laughs> but for folks that are interested in that, it was just a, a cool opportunity to really yeah. give back to the community, but also be doing a, a really cool project. Yeah. So when you were in the Philippines, did you live with a host family? Yes. So I did live with a host family for those three months of training. Mm-hmm. And then I also lived with another host family because my training site was in a different city than my permanent site. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then I moved to the permanent site and I had a host family there. And it was required that you stay with them for another three months. But um, I stayed with them, I think, like eight months and then ended up finding a place of my own and and spent the rest of the time living in a little little hut of my own, which was fun. Cool. But I really enjoyed the experience of being with host families because they're very hospitable. They welcomed me in. Um, I got to really learn a lot about the culture that way and mm-hmm. um, really be able to practice my language skills yeah, every day, sure. things yeah. like that. So, so it was a really amazing experience. I know that each country is different in terms of their requirements. And a lot of times it has to do based off of what housing is available. Mm-hmm. So there might be some countries where your, your option really is to stay with the host family the whole time because there just might not be other places mm-hmm. for you to live. Mm-hmm. Um, other places might be similar to the Philippines where they want you to stay with the host family for a little bit of time, but then you might have the option to go out and get mm-hmm. something on your own. Interesting. So you mentioned the language. I'm sure that was an interesting hurdle to kind of jump into and and try to learn. What do they offer training on the language? How does that work of the country that you're going to? Yeah. So in the training part of the Peace Corps, they uh, break it up into a language training Mm. portion and um, a technical training. And during the technical training, you're learning more about the job that you're going to be doing. But the language training is like language classes that you're 
you're doing. I um, can't remember who's every day or every couple days, but really immersing yourself and really mm-hmm. learning. And they would actually test you at different points to see what level you were at. And that was really cool because it's actually an official assessment that then you could say, I'm, you know, at this level of this language. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I felt like I got to a point where I was conversational in Tagalog. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I can still say a few things, but um, like I try to if I maybe go to a Filipino restaurant or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those where it's like, if you don't use it, you lose it. So sure. yeah. I enjoyed it while I was there. And, and again, just really... I don't think there's any better way to learn language than immersing yourself yeah. where you have to, right? Mm-hmm. It's survival. You have to figure out to communicate. Yeah. And so it might sound weird to listeners right now because we're in the middle of a global pandemic. I think the last thing someone's thinking about is going to live in another country and doing the Peace Corps. But there are plans to bring it back, I think, in 2022, right? Can you yeah. Do you know any insider kind of knowledge about that and what students can plan on doing right now if they're interested? Sure, absolutely. So yeah, I have been working with some students that are that is an interest of theirs. And so when we've been looking, some of the applications are saying that there are some programs that could depart as early as um, spring of 22. Okay. So, you know, that could be January, right? So um, again, that probably depends on the Delta variant and everything that's going on. But that was their initial plan. Um, and I, I hope that they're continuing to open that back up. Uh, everything that's done in the Peace Corps is done in partnership with the other country. So if the other country says like, yes, we're open and, and we really want some volunteers and the U.S. assesses any risks and decides it's it's safe, then they'll definitely do that. What they won't do is be like, all right, we're sending people over into this country and they're not comfortable with it. Um, it's going to be, yeah. yeah, it's going to be a mutual agreement. Interesting. And how can a student make themselves competitive in the application process? Yeah, so I really encourage students to think about how their skills match one of those sectors I mentioned Mm -hmm. and really to highlight those on their resume. Um, Certainly, if you've had the opportunity to study abroad, that's going to be huge because they want to see, are you able to be committed? Are you able to move away from home and and not leave? Because even though you technically could leave, they want you to stay for those those Mm -hmm. two full years. and so uh, studying abroad can help. But of course, again, we've been in the pandemic, so that might, those, those plans might have been canned for some folks. So actually finding other ways where you're, you're giving back to the community and working with diverse populations can be really helpful. So uh, just volunteering mm-hmm. through even some part-time job opportunities if you're using your skill set. Um, for example, if you were going into the youth and families sector and you had a, a lot of experience in childcare, that would be really great mm-hmm. to highlight. But I do think the main thing is seeing like, what are your intercultural skills? What do those look like? And how have you showed those? How you, how have you demonstrated them? Um, and then they do take a look at academics. So just making sure you have strong academics and things like that as well can be, can be competitive, but there are ways to really highlight those skills that you have. Sure. Nice. And the positive thing too is it's not like something you have to do right when you get out of college because I yes. think there's not an age limit or there anyway you can do it anytime yes. I suppose <laughs> yeah yeah so there's no age limit and that's what I tell people like a lot of times when I tell folks I did the Peace Corps they're like oh I wish I did that and I say oh it's you never can. too late yeah. you you still can so um, yeah there's no age limit I know you know certain certain countries might not have the um, the health infrastructure, depending sure. on your health, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they there are certain countries. I know the Philippines is actually one of them that could accept some of the older volunteers, nice. um, just because um, I guess their hospital system was was uh, 
Good. So, um, but yeah, so there's no age limit. So certainly if you're like, I'm not ready yet and, but I maybe want to do it later, you can certainly do that. And I definitely encourage it. Also couples can go together. Um, and so that's, if that's something that you're interested in, certainly, you know, make sure it's a committed relationship. That would be be awkward to be in another country, uh, for two years with that person. But, um, so it used to be, it used to be that they only would allow married couples but oh, okay. then they recognized how in certain instances that was not as inclusive as it mm-hmm. could be yeah, so good. um so they've opened it up to to all couples but cool. definitely you know they they're in the interview and things like that they're going to be asking those types of questions <laughs> to to make sure you're a good fit how well do you know this person are yeah. you sure <laughs> yeah well and also the other thing too is that both members of the couple have to apply and okay. get in oh, yeah. so there is yeah. that kind of oh, added yeah. added element sure. Sure. as well awesome well, thank you so much for telling us about the Peace Corps and kind of helping students with that. I, I kind of want to transition here. Um, like we said at the beginning of the episode, you're going to be taking over some of the hosting duties of the podcast. Um, you'll be our like seventh host, eighth, hundredth host. Um, but I'm really, I'm really excited because uh, like Tori said, you're one of the original folks that came on and, and did the podcast. Um, and I think it's so cool that we're kind of circling back and you're going to be taking over a little bit in the hosting chair. Is there anything you're excited about, nervous about? How do you how do you feel about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm really excited because I am an extrovert, so I love talking to people. And I also just love podcasts. I love listening to them. So um, this has been a dream of mine <laughs> since, since sure. the podcast started. Um, so so I'm excited to be on it. Um, probably nervous about some of the, the logistics of it. Um, <laughs> you know, setting up the equipment is is fun um and being able to do you know intros and outros those types of things because i do i feel like i'm better as a natural conversationalist than some of the scripted stuff but i'll get it you'll you'll see i mean yeah yeah. i mean you'll hear an outro by emily in like three minutes here so and and, you know we can record and re-record like those things are easy so yeah cool awesome well welcome to the team emily we know you're gonna be amazing thank you very much i'm excited a Walk Across Texas State is produced by Tori Graham, Emily Hawarney, and Zachary Webb. Music by Richard Hall. For free resources and additional information about our services, head over to careerservices.txstate.edu and follow us on social media at TXST Careers. Don't forget to like and subscribe to hear new episodes every other Tuesday each semester. Thanks for listening, and we will see you soon.